0: How's everyone doing? Great, it's good to be before you. Amen, there we go. You you know, last time I got the opportunity to preach, I preached uh, one of MLK's sermons in character as Martin Luther King Jr. And what I learned is that you guys like Pastor Charles when he's Martin Luther King Jr. more than when Pastor Charles is Pastor Charles. Uh, So today you're gonna get Pastor Charles. You're in here, faster, Charles. Amen. Thank you. Thank, thank you, brother. Thank you. So, if you take a moment, I'm just going to ask you to bow your hearts with me as we just prepare to go into the Word of God. Um, God is always more concern, concerned about the disposition of our hearts than the posture of our body. So, I just ask that you bow your heart. Most High God, I just thank you for this space, this moment. For us as a gathered people just to worship you and just to give you the glory, to give you the honor, to give you the praise, I pray that you would be glorified in all that we do. May you be glorified in the words that are spoken. May your truth be transformative this morning, this day, that we might be going out as the changed people of God. And we pray this in the name that's above all names, Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Amen. So, you know, there's a truth of Scripture, which is that for every promise of God, there's always a waiting period. And usually it's in that waiting period that God is fashioning our character and preparing us to receive the promise. And so God issues a promise, and then there's a waiting period. But just as it's true that there's always a waiting period for the promise of God, there's a moment that comes on the divine clock, where the clock strikes now. There's a time in which the promise which was issued becomes fully realized. It finds fulfillment. For every promise of God, there is waiting, and then there's the time in which it's now. This week, we are celebrating Holy Week and Holy Week is significant because it was a moment in prophetic history where the clock struck now. You see, for generations and generations throughout the Old Testament literature, there was prophetic unctions of a king and Messiah to come. And when we get to the Holy Week, which is the last week of Jesus' earthly ministry... The prophetic unctions and promises find fulfillment now. That's what Holy Week is about. About God saying the time is now. This morning I have a very specific ambition with you all. I want to take you guys on a journey regarding how the ancient Jewish people Perceive the events of that holy week. In particular, how they perceived that Palm Sunday, which is what we're celebrating today, when Jesus rides into Jerusalem. How did they feel about it? How did they interpret it? What did they think about it? What was the feeling of the atmosphere as Jesus came into Jerusalem? The Holy Week is very significant, both in church history as well as in the biblical narratives. So, you know, there are four gospels Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And each of the gospels provides biblical and biographical information regarding the life, the ministry, the actions of Jesus. Four gospels, four accounts. All four accounts give special emphasis to the Holy Week. In fact, you might be surprised to know that nearly 20% of the gospel accounts are dedicated to that one last week of Jesus' life. Almost 20% of the gospels because they realize the significance of the fulfillment that was occurring right in their midst. Holy Week. So we're going to read one of those accounts, one of the accounts that comes from the gospel according to Matthew. But before we read the scripture, let me lay some of the context for you. At the time that Jesus came into Jerusalem, they were celebrating the Passover. If you're familiar with your Bible or or, or history, you would know that the ancient Jewish people at one point found themselves enslaved in Egypt. They were in bondage. They were under the whip in Egypt. And they cried out to the Lord for deliverance. And God in his mercy raises up this individual by the name of Moses. And Moses goes in the power of God and he delivers the people. And so the people that were enslaved in Egypt find deliverance. And in this final act of deliverance, right before they leave Egypt, There's this event called the Passover in which death came for all the firstborn children of the Egyptians, but they passed over the ancient Jewish people as they had the sign of the covenant of blood on their doorposts, and they were delivered from Egypt. You see, for the ancient Jewish people, this was a significant of event because it declared that the God that they worshipped was mighty to save, that the God that they worshipped was a deliverer. And so they're gathered in Jerusalem, fast forward to the time of Jesus, commemorating this historic event, this story that was so meaningful to them. And most scholars believe that as many as 2 million Jewish people were gathered in Jerusalem at the time of Passover. But there's another sentiment that's going on. Because, yes, they had been freed from the Egyptians all those centuries earlier, but now they found themselves under the thumb and the foot of a new oppressor named Rome. And so there was this expectation and hope that, a king would come, a Messiah would come to deliver them. That's a backdrop of this narrative. Let's turn to the scripture. This comes from Matthew, the 21st chapter, and it says, As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there, with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to your daughter, Zion. By the way, Zion, that's a reference to Jerusalem. When you read your Bible and you see Zion, that's, you can interchange that with Jerusalem. See, your com- king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the fowl of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. As you read that text, you can feel the excitement that the people had. Because as I mentioned before, uh, they were expecting a coming king. Um. The people have something going on in the background of their psyche that you and I might not have. They had what's called a shaping narrative. A shaping narrative. A shaping narrative in religious terms, it means a community has stories that shape the way they see and interpret events around them. The Jews of Jesus' day had a shaping narrative, and one of their most powerful shaping narratives revolved around Jerusalem and the temple. To bring you into some of the history, around 1000 BC, David, the famed king, the same David that killed Goliath, he establishes Jerusalem as the capital city of unified Israel, David was the very first king of Israel, and he says, this is going to be the capital city. This is the place where the people from all throughout the nation would gather for the proper worship of God. His son Solomon takes it one step further. He builds a temple to the Lord in Jerusalem. He builds a house for God. And so Solomon erects this temple that was designed and dedicated for the sole worship of God Almighty. And it says in 2 Chronicles, the 7th chapter, that when Solomon had built the temple, he had a dedication service for the temple. And this is what the account says. It says that when Solomon finished praying... Fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. And the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The priest could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled it. When all the Israelites saw the fire coming down and the glory of the Lord above the temple, they knelt on the pavement with their faces to the ground. And they worshiped and gave thanks to the Lord saying, He is good. His love endures forever. It says... Something that we have to pay attention to. It says that the glory of the Lord filled the temple. In this context, the glory of the Lord is God's very presence. You see, the ancient Jewish people, they had a strong understanding that God, yes, he was everywhere. But there was one place in which his presence was experienced and manifest, so to speak. And that was in the temple. In fact, they had an understanding that there was a heavenly realm that existed and an earthly realm that existed. And they believed that at the site of the temple, the heavenly realm overlapped with the earthly realm. And so when you were in the temple, you were actually in the presence of God, one foot on earth, one foot in heaven. This is how they thought about the temple. And as long as the glory of the Lord was in the temple, then they could be secured that they had God's protection. They could feel secure that they had God's provision. They could feel secure because His presence was with them. That's how they understood the temple. But then tragedy hits. Tragedy hits because it says in the scriptures that Their hearts, their hearts turned away from the living God. They went and started to worship other gods. They even built altars and temples in Israel to other gods. Some years ago, I had the privilege to spend two weeks in Israel, and we went to one of the ruins in Israel, the ancient ruins, and we saw one of these temples one of these temples that, that the Israelites had built. And in the temple, there was two thrones. One was for Yahweh and one was for a local mother deity. Their hearts had turned from God. And once their hearts turned away from God, their actions soon followed. Uh, We know from history that when they started to serve the other gods, they began to take on their practices. They started to have self-mutilation in which they would scrape and scar their bodies and take blood from their own flesh to appease these divine deities. They even got so detestable that they would sacrifice children to foreign gods. God's, their hearts went astray. And then the prophet Ezekiel, Ezekiel. You know, you've heard Jeremiah maybe as the weeping prophet. Ezekiel is the screaming prophet. And Ezekiel has this horrific vision. And in the 10th chapter of Ezekiel, you can read it on your own. It's wrapped in prophetic language. But this is what it says. It says that he saw the temple. And then he saw that the glory of the Lord departed from the temple. The glory of the Lord left the temple and for the ancient jews this is terrifying because if the glory of the lord is away from the temple that means god's presence has left us our god's protection is gone his provision is gone this is a horrific event for them but ezekiel says the presence left and shortly after that we know that the ancient israelite community is conquered They're sent into exile by the Babylons. And and so they were were scattered from uh, one another, both in family relationships, both in community relationships. And then the temple, this beautiful temple that once housed the very presence of God, lay in ruins. It was destroyed. There was no glory. But there was some hope. There was some hope. Because the prophetic scripture declared that one day the glory would return. There would be a day in which a Messiah, a king figure, would rise up and would return and establish this glorious kingdom reign of Jerusalem. And eventually they go on to rebuild this temple. It's not as grand as it once was. But there was still a longing based on the prophetic scriptures that a king, a Messiah would come. And so, as we fast forward to the time of Jesus, when he comes into Jerusalem riding on the donkey, why were the people so elated? They were elated because they were like, the time is now. He's here. He's going to deliver us from the Roman oppression, they were so excited. Um, and we know that their excitement is so sincere because we see how they respond. It says that as he came riding on the donkey, they put their cloaks on the road in front of him. This was a sign of homage that you would give to a king. It says that they waved the palm branches. The palm branch was a sign of liberation. It was a sign of freedom that a king would bring. It says that they shouted, Hosanna, Hosanna, which means save them, save them, because they said, this is the king that's coming to save us. They said, the son of David, for they understood David to be the greatest king in the history of Israel. And so he being the, in the lineage of David, which they believed prophetically, the Messiah, the king to come, would be in the lineage of David. They were like, it's happening now. And so they have all this excitement, all this excitement, Only a couple days later, the same crowd that was crying, Hosanna, Hosanna, is crying, crucify him, crucify him. They went from lauding his praises to crucify. How did this happen? How did this happen? How does this make any sense? Well, I'll tell you. You see, they had expectations on what kind of king Jesus was going to be. They expected that... King Jesus in this moment was going to come and give it to Rome. He was going to smite the oppressors, the Romans. In fact, you know what they really wanted Jesus to do? They wanted Jesus to march into Caesar's palace, go up to Caesar, and slap him. That's what they wanted. That's what they wanted. They, they, there would have been nothing more satisfying than seeing that. That's what they wanted. When Jesus didn't fulfill that, they said, you're not doing what we want you to do. And so let's kill you. Let's crucify you. You see, they were more enamored with what they expected Jesus to do than they had enamoration and captivation with who Jesus was. They said, Jesus, do this. Jesus was saying, I am this. They were in love with what they expected him to do not with him. This begs a question for us as believers 2000 years later. Are you more enamored with what you expect Jesus to do in your life or more enamored with who Jesus is? Are you down with Jesus when when he helps you get the job because he did something for you or who he is? Are you excited about Jesus when he uh, bridges and creates a relationship that you've been looking for, whether it's in business or romantically? Is that why you're you're down with Jesus? Or are you connected and tied to Jesus because he's wonderful and glorious? You see, we're not so much different from the people of old. You see, uh, if you're down with Jesus for what? he might do when he doesn't do what you expect him to do you just like the people of old will say crucify him crucify him crucify him oh no 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 you won't crucify him on a wooden cross no you'll crucify him within your heart meaning that he becomes relationally dead to you why are you down with Jesus what's ironic is that Jesus doesn't go to the Roman palace to smite Rome, but you do. You know where he does go? He actually goes to the temple. In fact, as we compare all the gospel narratives of his uh, Palm Sunday and Holy Week events, it seems to be the case that he goes directly to the temple as soon as he enters Jerusalem. And let's read what he does when he gets into the temple. Matthew, the 21st chapter, says this. Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. Y- you know, I got to be honest. This is one of my favorite stories of Jesus. Jesus. You know why this is one of my favorite stories of Jesus? Because, you know, I think sometimes we have a picture of Jesus that's just too soft. We, we have, you know, when you look at some of the artwork of the Renaissance, you see Jesus, pale, baby smooth skin, <laughs> looking weak. No, 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 no. Th- that's not the Jesus of the Bible. You see, the Jesus that we read in Scripture it says he was a carpenter. And you know what most scholars believe? When it says car- he was a carpenter, they really think it, it should be translated as a stonemason. You could fact check this. They believe that Jesus was a worker of stones. You know what that means? That means that Jesus was lifting heavy things. Where's Joel? Joel? Yo, Jesus was lifting big things. He was big things. That was the type of person. That was a, that's that's Jesus. Uh, uh, the, the Jesus that we read in scripture, it says that, that he walked everywhere. In fact, when you look through the scriptures, when he goes from village to village, he doesn't. you never see him riding a camel in a carriage. You don't see him on a horse, not even once. The only time you ever see him riding is when he comes into Jerusalem on the donkey. That means he was walking places. He would preached on the mountains. He was walking mountains. He was walking mountains. Yeah, I got caught Sean Clarita. He didn't skip leg day. He didn't skip leg day. Sean Clarita, pro bodybuilder in the house. (laughs) He didn't skip leg day. No, no, no. Uh, Think about that. At the crucifixion, at the crucifixion, it says he carried his own cross. This was after having been beaten. He carried a cross. This was not a soft dude. We have to remember Jesus was meek, but he wasn't weak. Meek means you don't have the strength. Meek means that you have the strength, but you restrain it. Jesus was the Lamb of God, but someone give me an amen. Do we know that he was a lion of the tribe of Judah? Poke the lion and see what happens. He gets into the temple, and when he's in the temple, he's throwing over tables. He's driving people out. He's going MMA on these guys. It says even in one of the accounts, he made a cord of whips. He got whipping people. Listen, Jesus was, 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 was doing it. Now, here's what's so interesting about it, is the people didn't understand that in that moment, Jesus was actually fulfilling the prophetic scriptures. They expected, as I said before, for him to go to Rome, but he goes to the temple. And you know why he goes to the temple? Because he's fulfilling something. You remember we said earlier, what happened to the glory of the Lord in the temple? It had departed And I was resting in the east. Let's look at Scripture. John, the first chapter, verses 1 and then verse 14. It says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's a reference to Jesus Christ. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. When He went back to the temple, guess what? He was bringing the glory of God back to the temple. They didn't recognize it, but the glory of God was coming back to the temple. In fact, geographically, it says he comes from the Mount of Olives. That means he came from the east. Remember, Ezekiel, the glory went and and, and settled in the east. He entered Jerusalem from the east, and he says the glory of the Lord is back. They didn't get it. But can I go a little deeper, just a little deeper? Jesus was going to leapfrog all the expectations He was going to leapfrog all the expectations because Jesus would die, rise from the dead, and then he would go to the Father and send the Holy Spirit of God to all of his believers. The Holy Spirit of God would go to all the believers. The writer, the apostle Paul, would pick up on this later on. And you know what he would say to the believers? He would say, don't you know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit? So what Jesus' true mission was, was to go take care of this sin separation, separating issue so I could go to the Father, send the Spirit, so that each of you all can be walking temples that host the presence of God. Jesus was saying that my glory isn't going to be contained just in a physical building, but rather my glory by the Spirit of living God is going to dwell within the lives and in the bodies of my believers so that my glory will not be contained in one space, but will go throughout the entire earth to proclaim the glory of God the Father. One preacher says it like this. You've been filled with the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit of God has one cry. And the one cry, the Spirit of God is, let me out. He was fulfilling the prophetic unctions in that moment, and the people didn't get it. You see, they were still blinded by what they expected him to do, not who he was. You see, Jesus, throughout the entirety of a holy week, and even on Palm Sunday as he enters into Jerusalem, is declaring who he is. He comes riding on a donkey. When a king comes riding on a donkey in that day, that meant that the king comes in peace. Jesus was declaring that he's the king of peace. They waved the palm branches declaring that he was a liberator, one who brings freedom, and it's true. Jesus is the one who brings freedom and liberation to us as people. They said, Hosanna, Hosanna, which means save us, because they didn't know it, but they were declaring with truthfulness who Jesus was, that he was the savior of the world. They said, son of David, they were declaring that Jesus was the king. I believe this morning that we're challenged with one question. Myself, you sitting here, you listening online, and that question is, is Jesus king? Is he king? The challenge this morning that's presented to us is, Oh yeah, all those years ago he rode into Jerusalem as the king on the donkey. But this morning, are you going to allow him to enter the Jerusalem of your heart? Are you going to look at him and say, Lord, you're my king. What you say, I do. Who you are, I'm captivated with. That's the king that Jesus is. That's the king that's before us this day that's the king that we're celebrating as we look throughout this holy week in which he gives the ultimate gift to us all because the moment that you say jesus you're king your life changes you see jesus And the the plan of God understood there was no sense in restoring a physical temple if you didn't restore the broken, sinful, spiritually depraved issue of the human heart. You see, what happened with the physical temple, they had it, but because their hearts were far, they lost the physical temple. So what sense would it be to restore that physical temple without dealing with the true issue going on? Jesus came to bring liberation and salvation to you, the real temple. I want to just invite you guys to stand here. And I just want to ask the Holy Spirit just to come among us, even for a moment, and just to blow through us. You know, it says in the scripture that we read earlier, That when Jesus entered Jerusalem, it says, the people were stirred. The people were stirred. That means there's something that went on inside of them that started to move them. The people were stirred. I believe that in this moment that some of you are being stirred. There's some of you that have been walking with the Lord for many years, and there's still a part of the heart that says, "Eh, Jesus isn't king there. And the Spirit of God is stirring you to say, yeah, make him king there. Perhaps there's some of you that you've never stepped into faith. Maybe you're visiting today. Maybe someone brought you. Uh, Maybe you're just curious on Christianity or you're just checking it out. And there's something that's stirring you. To say, yeah, I want the king of peace in me. I want the, the king that brings freedom in me. And if that's you, the Lord's going to meet you. I want to ask you guys just to uh, bow your heart again here. As always, God's concerned with what's going on here, more so than the posture. And I just want to pray a prayer blessing over you guys. Most like God, may you just meet all the people here right now, Lord God. Would you stir those who haven't felt stirred, and would you spur to action those who feel stirred in this moment? For those who wanna make a fresh dedication to Jesus as being the king, I just invite you in your heart right now in your own words just to say, Jesus, you're my king. You're my king. For those of you who've never made Jesus king, I wanna just give you a fresh invitation even now to pray. And I'll lead you in a prayer. This is not a magical prayer, but rather it's words that express the disposition of our heart. And I'll just invite you in your heart, just pray after me and say, Most High God, I love you. Yeah, I've messed up, God. But I thank you for your gift that you gave through your Son. I trust you to save me. And I choose to follow you as Lord. Take me, Lord. Make me one of those temples that's filled with the Holy Spirit come now Holy Spirit may the Holy Spirit blow through and so Lord God I just pray right now in this atmosphere where you are being exalted that you would do your work in all of our lives Lord transform us may we go changed may we be your people pray all this in the name of Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. 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 You know, I want to just we're about to do some ministry time and we and we have a prayer team here that has some words and we're going to share those if, if some of those words apply to you. Um, but I want to just leave you guys that, you know, it says in that scripture that people were stirred. I think that you're going to see this week people in your lives that are going to be stirred and they're going to ask, what's going on? What's this about? And the answer that they give is "It's Jesus. I want to encourage you to be on the lookout for that. Um, we do have our, our offering baskets. We're doing something like we did last week. It's a little different. So those of you who are to my right, we're going to pass those bat- around and you can put your connection card in there. Um, if you just made a fresh commitment to follow Jesus or you decided to follow Jesus for the first time, you can uh, check that off on the on the uh, connection card that's in the seat pocket in front of you, as well as you could text 2015847188, uh, and we just we just do this because we want to connect with you. We want to give you information and we want to support you and what God is doing within you. Um, let me give some words again as the baskets are passing. You can put offering envelopes as well as connection cards in there. So the prayer team did uh, hear some things from the Lord. They got sense that this is what the Lord was doing. So if this applies to you, there's gonna be people up front to pray for you. Um, so feel free to come up if, this, if you hear something that, that resonates with you. And if you need prayer for anything else, there will also be people to pray for you as well. So feel free for anyone to come forward. So there's a word saying there's a parent that feels overwhelmed because they have a teenage child that's involved in drugs. And so if that's you, um, we wanna pray for you. Uh, someone having trouble breathing. You're feeling like like there's a weight on the chest and we try to take a deep breath, it's just, uh, there, there's a burden there, so we want to pray for, for you as well. Um, there's someone that was diagnosed with cancer, specifically they felt it was cancer of the lungs, so if that was you, you got a recent diagnosis, um, come forward, Let, let's lay hands on you. Um, right knee, right knee, and, and this was specifically they felt it was a man, Uh, Right knee and having uh, like stiffness like you can't extend it or it it doesn't it's lacking flexibility if that's you um, Come forward and then lastly anyone that's experiencing any type of pain in the chest So if that applies to you like I said We have a prayer team up front and they want to just lay hands on you and and ask God to to fall God to fall All right, let me just speak a blessing of you guys Um, May you go in the peace of Christ may the Lord cause his face to shine upon you may he give you peace go forward in the power and authority as living temples hosting the power and the presence of our God. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. We'll see you Friday. Friday, we have our our Good Friday service, so we look forward to seeing you then.